this is a Strange Assembly interview with Evan Paul, the winner of the 2011 Atlanta Cote and second place at the 2011 Cincinnati Cote. And since he travels a bit, probably you're planning on showing up at a few more Cote this year, right, Evan? Uh, yeah, I think I should be at South Carolina. That's probably going to be it. Uh, I wish I could go to some of the other ones like Louisville, but other than that, I'll probably just be going to Gen Con. Yes, if we already have your free pass, it's nice to not have to play in those grinders. <laughs> yeah, it is nice. This is the first interview that Strange Assembly is doing this season with people who have had success at Cote. So why don't we start with the Cote that you won? How was your experience at the Atlanta Cote? Uh, it was great. I think one of the most important things is that it ran on schedule. Is that uh, I've been to a couple of the Cotes where they didn't end up getting done until after midnight. For me, who had to drive a long way back home that same night, it was uh, it was nice. It was well run. Lunch was there, and it was pretty short, so that was really good. And that's a good tip to Cote people out there: is that you can order some pizza and uh, not have to force people to wait an hour to eat. It's a big deal. But otherwise, I had a good time. It was well-run. Well, thank you. I think a lot of our listeners have probably already checked to know you were playing good old Naked Lion. Yeah. How did you end up deciding that that was still the deck to run with? So, I mean, I'm pretty much an exclusive Lion player. I would be no good at playing any other kind of clan. So it was basically bound to figure out what type was going to be best for the current environment. But I... Uh, I won St. Louis last year playing Lion Followers, but that was in a Harbinger environment before cards like Claw and Shell were out, which really kind of was a big deal for the Lion attachment scene in general. And I thought for a long time I was going to end up running weapons, and it was running pretty well, but uh, I found that I had some bad matchups, and that overall Naked had the least amount of bad matchups, and that it was probably the most consistent Lion deck type overall. That's why I went with it. So what was your experience of the metagame at the Atlanta Cote? Did it match what you were expecting to see? Uh, I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest. Uh, I had heard that there was a decent amount of Dishonored players, and I did end up seeing one Dishonored deck. Um, I didn't know how big Honor would be, and to be honest, I didn't metaphor it much, which worked out well because I never faced it the whole day. Uh, other than that, I just kind of expect a lot of big unit military, and that's what I ended up seeing. Um, so it worked out pretty well. In what ways did you adjust your deck to to be able to beat big unit military decks? Well, for that, I don't think the deck needed all that much adjustment. I think that the overall strength that Naked Lion has is that it maintains a good card advantage while it basically can force the opponent to wear their own hand down. And in doing so, you'll eventually kind of get an attrition advantage and win the game. Is that if you end up trading some units in battle, um, you might lose a couple Lion guys and they might lose one of their guys. But at the end of the day, is I'm going to be buying more personalities at the end of my turns and also maintaining card advantage. And so... It's different from the way Naked Lion used to be, where it was kind of a real rushdown deck. But now it's the idea is to essentially that to use attrition to get your opponent's personalities and hand down. And um, I didn't have all that much big unit meta in particular. I ran three 
copies of Route because I figured that attachments would be big, and I didn't regret that. But other than that, I just kind of ran the best strategies that I thought Nakedline had available to it at the moment. So more of a uh, meta for big units is just absence of adjusting your deck for things like honor or dishonor. Basically, is that you know I didn't I didn't pack any copies of Only Action Speak or Beloved Clan or uh, Proper Deference or anything like that, and also uh, I didn't have Thriving Light to try to basically cut down an unfortunate incident or something like that. So essentially, yeah, the the meta for big unit is just to keep your deck good in the battle phase in general, and I think. I only ran maybe four cards in my deck that don't have a battle ability on them, and that was a pretty big deal because you're drawing cards during the battle a lot, and you just don't want to have any dead cards in your hand when you do that. Yeah. Now, what differences did you see between the environment at Atlanta and the environment at the Cincinnati Cote? Well, there was uh, there was more honor. I know I ran into Honor twice during the uh, opening round. And uh, I think other than that, there was tons of line there. I think at, uh, in Atlanta we had maybe seven line players out of the 70 total, if I remember right. But at Cincinnati there were 15. And I definitely wasn't prepared for that, because if I knew then I would probably be passing some Claw and Shell. But uh, I ended up facing line only once, and I was in the top four, which was probably good for me, because... Uh, if you do face a mirror deck and you end up going second, then it's a tough time to get the advantage back. But uh, other than that, uh, the environment was pretty similar. See, I'm just pulling up here for curiosity. There were... It looks like there were maybe 12 honor decks and about 7 dishonor decks in the field at the Atlanta Cote out of 66. So yeah, very heavily military yeah. environment. Now, of course, the most common honor deck in Cote season so far, I think, has been Embassy Honor for the Crane, although there has been some Last Step Castle. How do you feel that the eight starting honor for Embassy impacts the lion. It's huge. It's really huge. Uh, the difference is pretty gigantic, and I didn't really think it would be that bad until I actually got to play against some embassy decks. But when you're going first against an honor deck, is that you're you have the advantage of being able to attack before they're truly ready for it in a way. Um, most honor decks, when they're going against military, are going to be going first because the majority of non-lion clans are going to be below them. But if they don't have enough time to set up that big defense, then if I'm attacking on my turn four, which is when they've been only able to buy uh, one turn's worth of personalities, or one or two, rather, then uh, it's a big difference compared to Crane, where they've had three turns to buy people. They've uh, been able to you know, draw more cards into their hand and set up the defense. Uh, it's tough. It's really tough. I think Embassy of the Crane is actually a pretty bad matchup in general for Lion, and that, uh, that showed in the Chicago Cote, where I think uh, there was a lot of Embassy Honor going on, and uh, Lion had a big problem with it. And I can just tell you from my experience that playing Onega Panku against Embassy Honor, at least a deck that's uh, 
constructed well to rack it up pretty fast is that I have a really tough time. My win percentage is maybe about 30. Yeah, I would expect a, a big difference. I know you listen to to our show, so I know you've you've heard us talk about that. I as I always know, if I'm playing the five starting honor honor deck, a lion military or a, a phoenix military deck is often the last thing that you want to see because it, it does make a huge difference. Yeah. For the honor deck to get stuck going second. I was in at the Atlanta Cote, or, I'm sorry, at the Cincinnati Cote, and our listeners haven't had the chance to hear about that. Did you want to talk some more about the Cincinnati Cote and what you enjoyed about that one? Again, it was it was well run. Um, I think that because of the way it was uh, it was structured, it maybe went a little bit longer than the Atlanta one did. I know that the final round didn't get done until a little bit after midnight, if I remember right, I just I know it was really late, but they uh, in general it was run well. Um, it was about the same number of people as Atlanta, maybe a little bit more. Uh, it was just there in a hotel, uh, so most of the people just stayed at the hotel, and it was pretty convenient. Uh, and as I said, as far as the players go, um, a lot of cool dudes there. Uh, got to meet some new people, and uh, the there was a good variety in the environment there, except of course for the fact the line was so popular that uh it made things appear a little bit line centric especially since three of them made it top eight but anyway overall i had a good time there that's good now you mentioned playtesting over on egg of pan coup i think it's fair to say that you're a player who's had a good deal of tournament success in the last couple of years what do you do to prepare for Cote or, or, or tournaments generally, and, and how do you work on fine-tuning your your deck for those? Well, once I figure out the type of deck I'm going to do is that, uh, I mean, immediately a big thing that I do is that I look at previous decks of that type that have done well in tournaments. Like for this Naked Lion deck, that I use uh, Case Kayanaga's uh, Vancouver Level 10 winning deck as essentially the basis of it. And then, so I took that I made adjustments for Dead of Winter, which wasn't much because Lion didn't really get much from Dead of Winter. But uh, after that, you you uh, you playtest in your local environment as much as you can, and we have a very good group here. Uh, but obviously, we can't meet too too much. Basically, once every couple of weeks or so. And other than that, uh, it's on Ega Panku, and you just kind of have to hope that you see a good variety on there. And generally, you do. Um, so especially for players who don't live in a big L5R area, uh, like me, Egg is really helpful because it helps you fine-tune that deck. And so if you find out that uh, your mashup against a big attachment deck is not running good because you are only running two copies of Wrath and you can have the third one, and that's just an example of one of the adjustments that I make. You, you keep going, and uh, whenever you lose a game, take a look at why you lost and see if you need to make any adjustments for that or whether it's just up to chance. And then by the end of the by the end of your testing period, hopefully you'll have a deck that's ready to go. Now having played in a couple of Cote and, and seen the different results, what do you think about the health of the metagame right now? I mean the Lion as we saw at the Atlanta Cote, Lion and Crab are very strong. Do you think that they're 
too strong, or do you think that's within the the realm of acceptability? I don't think they're too strong. I mean, we're at the time of doing this interview, we're four weeks in, and uh, I think we've seen a really good variety of clans actually winning the Cotes. Uh, Lions made a lot of top eights, but they still only have only one one of them. Uh, Crabs won two or three, Cranes won two or three, and I know we've had Mantis, and uh, just recently we had a Scorpion win. Um, and to be honest, I see a lot of variety in general in the top eight, and uh, the only clan that maybe isn't doing so well that I can think of is uh, Unicorn, but I, I think that might just be because there's a very small player base. Because as I saw in my top eight match in, uh, in Cincinnati against AJ, um, Unicorn Commanders, I think, is extremely strong. And uh, I think that people maybe just haven't figured that out yet. And, uh, but I think in general, the environment is pretty balanced. Uh, I think uh, in Empire of War, the overall tournament success was, there was a lot of parity there, and I feel like it's not going to be changing too much. So I don't think one clan in particular is way too powerful at the moment. Yeah, and Unicorn do have a small player base. Usually I think they and, and Mantis would be considered the smallest, although bizarrely there have had been more Unicorn decks show up at tournaments this season than Dragon decks, and Dragon is usually one of the most populous, if not the most populous, uh, and Dragon and Unicorn are the two clans that haven't won Kote right yet. You're right that everybody else has picked up at least one now. And I'm, I'm sure they will before the season's over. I don't really have a doubt about that. I think that uh, especially Dragon Monk and uh, Unicorn Commanders are really strong deck types, and that it's only a matter of time before one of those takes a Kote. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll end up with every clan at least having one, probably more, before the Kote season is over. Yeah. I'd be surprised if it didn't. Uh, do you have any more thoughts about Kote season so far that I've been asked about? Oh, here, like the story. What do you think about the the storyline of this Kote season? Uh, well, we've only seen a couple of stories so far, and to be honest, I think they've, they've both been great, uh, especially like the story that ended up coming out of the Atlanta Kote because there's some nice little bickering going on between the, uh, the lion guy and the hair clan guy that was that I thought was uh, pretty amusing, and uh, <laughs> I mean, I think I think it was good that even though I decided to basically take the prize, that I still got a good story out of it. And uh, but also at the same time, I really liked that story with Noritoshi and Jemen in the first week. Um, I thought that some players were a little bit upset that it maybe didn't represent what they thought was going to be happening, which is going to be like a buddy cop story between Noritoshi and Jemen, but. When you really think about it, that wouldn't have made much sense anyway, and I thought the story team did a good idea of uh, working around that and um, basically making a good story about Noritoshi, you know, walking away and not fighting, and at the same time appearing kind of heroic just for doing that. Uh, and the Wii 2 stories were all good, too. I mean, they had to bring in five coasts together for one story, and that was pretty impressive. Uh, in general, I think it's been going fine. Um, the only complaint that some people might have is that the people who are taking the prizes are still getting good stories out of it, so maybe there's not as much incentive to actually defend the provinces, but, you know, 
to each his own. A lot of people are defending the provinces for their own kind of story or in-character things, and that's fine. Um, I think that nobody really has a reason to be unhappy about how it's been going so far. Yeah, when I think you observed on the Strange Assembly forums that, at least in the week two fiction, there didn't seem to be the kind of focus on on story relating to the the guys who won the tournaments and then didn't choose to defend like there maybe was for the Atlanta Cote in the first week. Yeah, that may have been an adjustment that Sean made to make the uh, to make defending the province more attractive. And, uh, so, I mean, that, and that's fine too because even if I didn't get a great story out of it, we'll eventually see some Lion Clan guy ascending to be a minor fortune, which is pretty cool in my book. So, since the Lion have won so many tournaments in Celestial Edition, do you feel like kind of a jerk for taking the best prize and not letting some other poor clan having it? <laughs> well, if Breslin and Kote's fault, if they were running that all in one day, then they would have beaten me to it. Because I know that the crane player there, uh, he had wanted to take the Minor Fortune prize too, but the fact that they didn't finish until Sunday let me grab it, which I was thankful for. Uh and, you know, if if, uh, if some other clan wanted to win that prize, they should have won the Atlanta Cote. That's the way it goes. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, what do you think about the depth of the non-defending prize list? Do you think that we'll continue to see people picking off of that as much as they have so far? Or do you think that as the list gets shallower, people will start defending the Scorpion provinces more? No, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. That the uh, the best prizes are already kind of beginning to get picked off one by one. Um, I think one of the big ones that's still there is uh, what a Topaz champion becoming the Empress's favorite dude or whatever. I Something think like that. that. Yeah, after that and a couple more are gone, then the rest of them are kind of funky, like having the Emperor's best lumber yard is not an enormously attractive choice comparing to get uh, the character of your choice in a story. Uh, so, yeah, I think that aside from certain people who have their hearts set on some wacky habit of Chikusado or whatever, uh, then I think that the people are more likely to choose to defend the provinces just because uh, they want to see their own uh, personalities get into a story. Yeah, yeah. For for some of these guys, it may be the one last chance to wrap up something interesting. And I think the story team has made a lot of those choices interesting, including the honor event winners, giving a, a more compelling reason to go out and try to win those and get yeah. your guy a choice in. Okay. Do now do you have anything else to observe about Cote season? Something I've haven't thought to ask you about? Cotes are great. If you've never been to one before, go out and try it. Thirty bucks, but you generally take enough cards home that it makes it almost worth it anyway and uh, you get to meet some great people. Um, so if there's any players out there that have never been to one, I encourage them to do it just for the social aspect of it. It's a lot of fun. Oh, since I asked Kevin and he didn't have any idea, how long did it take you or other players to notice that the seating wasn't 
being done by seeding at the Atlantic Ote? Or did uh, you know I, didn't, I didn't notice at all, which shows how observant I was during the whole time. But I guess it it did kind of seem weird to me that I was five and one and sitting at table thirty or whatever. But <laughs> it wasn't really a big deal to me. Uh, yeah, I mean that's just the way it goes. It's fine. Okay. Uh, apparently, I uh, overestimated the sense of strangeness that would produce, since no one seems to have occurred much. All right, so you know you're here because we, you know, because of the the Cote season. But well, we got you here. You have any other issues you'd like to sound off on? Observations you'd like to make? Something we you think we screwed up on when we were talking about dead of winter? Uh, no, I mean, basically, most of my knowledge is, is as far as the winter goes for Lion Clan, and you guys were right that we basically didn't get much at all out of it, except for Cody Raymond, um, and he's been really cool. Uh, but other than that, um, I think you guys did a good job, and I'm just looking forward to the next set, because we're going to be dual-bugged, and we can start getting a feel for uh, what Emperor Edition is going to be like. I'm guessing that the next Line Stronghold is going to be Commander-themed, because that's the one that hasn't really been touched by a Stronghold so far. Uh, which would be fun, except the Clan Shell exists in the environment, and I'm never going to play a Follower deck again, so that's <laughs> too bad. But other than that, I'm looking forward to that, uh, and definitely looking forward to Emperor Edition. It's looking like these new themes are going to be pretty exciting for everybody, and uh, I am eager to see how it turns out. Do you have any opinion about the prospect of the Lion Scout theme? Uh, you know, it's like without really knowing how it's going to work at all, is I don't really have much of an opinion at all yet. And to be honest, I'm probably still going to be playing tacticians because that's what I always do. And uh, scouts might be fun. I don't know whether it's going to be blitzy or whether it's going to be reliant on terrains or anything like that. But uh, it'll be good to have that as a full theme. And uh, who knows, it may end up becoming our most powerful deck pack. There's no way of knowing at this point. So just got to wait and see. Of course, you're assuming that there is a Lion Tactician theme. Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> what we do? I mean, uh, Tacticians and Paragons are probably the biggest things that we have going on right now, even though Paragons pretty new. I think that only came up in Samurai Edition. But yeah, uh, I, I would love to see some kind of a Shugenja ancestor type of theme, but I'm doubting that we'll really get that. And other than that, I wouldn't be surprised if they just kind of saw Texasians, Paragon, Scouts, and then something else, either Heroes or Death Seekers, or probably not Commanders, because I don't think that's been overall too successful for us. But in any case, uh, I'm just eager to see what's going on with Emperor Edition, and uh, looking forward to it. All right, then. Thanks for taking the time to spread the wisdom of Evan to the Strange Assembly audience. I wouldn't call it wisdom, but I appreciate it. <laughs> okay. This has been a Strange Assembly interview. You can check us out at strangeassembly.com. While you're there, you can click on over to our forums or subscribe to the podcast feed. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email them to me at chris at strangeassembly.com. Have a good day, everybody. Yeah.